Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, timeless wisdom to enrich every day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, September 19. When troubles beset you, seek both their cause and their solution in yourself. Karmic law rules supreme everywhere. Your actions of the past represented movement in opposite directions from an unchanging center in yourself. That movement always returns with equal force in the opposite direction though hindered by what my guru called the thwarting cross-currents of ego. The law must always, sooner or later, be fulfilled. Those myriad back-and-forth movements seldom proceed in a straight line. Instead, they create eddies that draw into themselves the debris of countless desires and involvements. Don't upset yourself with life's complexities, but seek the divine simplicity of oneness with God's joy. To do otherwise is to court endless troubles. I love that closing line. To do otherwise is to court endless troubles. Swami's just as a dear friend saying, you have free will, but I don't advise it. (laughs) It's just so perfect. Now, this is, you know, longer than some of the entries in this book, but it is not nearly enough to really explain the karmic law. So I'm going to suggest to you, if you feel that anything that I have to say might be useful to you. I have a YouTube channel, Ashanaya Swami, it's easy to find. If you if you go to that channel, you will and, and type in karma or chakras or reincarnation, you will find some really worthwhile, long explanations of karmic law because he's just declaring. And there's a huge amount that you can understand in this. So I'm just going to touch pieces of it. What really struck me here, really powerfully, basically, in case you're not familiar with the basic idea, karma is cause and effect in in human experience. Of course, the cause and effect doesn't work unless you add in reincarnation, which is why reincarnation and the chakras and karma all have to be understood together. The chakras are the energy pattern in the body which which dictates your destiny, but it's an energy pattern. And therefore, when the physical body dies, that energy pattern stays with you. So everything that you do in the course of a, an incarnation in a physical life creates a, a, registers in the chakras as, as energy. Vrittis, they're called. Whirlpools of energy that reflect your understanding, our understanding of the nature of reality, of what causes suffering, of where happiness comes from. The chakras represent a spectrum between complete delusion, actually having no understanding of the true nature of life, and complete God-realization. And everything that we do represents a comprehension on our part of of what is real, what is eternal, what is temporary, the cause of suffering, the cause of happiness. And somewhere on that spectrum between complete delusion and God-realization, every action registers as if it were a unique vibration. The chakras, which I'm making a horizontal, the chakras are vertical, 
but nonetheless, that's the same thing from the lowest to the highest chakra. They represent that same spectrum. Now, the chakras are far more complicated than that. But so that means that what you do in this world, in the material world, when you die, you don't actually leave the vibration behind. If you're vengeful, if you're angry, if you're greedy, if you're, if you're not self-controlled, if you're powerful, if you have great willpower, if you have talent, all of that remains as an energy pattern and goes with you and you start your next incarnation in terms of consciousness, you start your next incarnation exactly where you left off, plus what you might learn in the astral world. But I'm no expert on that. I'm no expert on this, but I can talk about it a little. Okay, so, so you have to have more than one lifetime, though, to make it work because it's self-evident that we do not get the consequences of our behavior in this lifetime. Lots of good people end up in tragic circumstances. Lots of terrible people die rich and fat and happy in their bed, seemingly, at the end of a long life, and it never seems to catch up with them. That's what Swami refers to as the thwarting cross-currents of ego, which is we are not a straight, single form of energy. Even somebody who's very evil may still have very powerful qualities like willpower or even a certain refinement in certain areas, even though they could be barbaric in other areas of their life. And so all of those magnetic forces play against each other and they become the thwarting cross-currents that cause the simple cause and effect, action-reaction, that um, you would see in in non-human forces. But it still catches up with you. I say it's like a boomerang. You may throw a boomerang and it may even go a long journey, but it started with you and it will come back to you. But multiple incarnations can go through before that boomerang catches up with you because in the meantime, with your thwarting cross-currents of ego, you're dashing all over the place doing other things. So it, it may seem to us, when the karma finally returns to us, that it came out of nowhere and, you know, why did this happen to me? But once you really understand the law of karma, and then once you add that, and this is very important, to meditative insight, to honest introspection, to deep self-understanding, to a humble surrender, to we are part of a greater reality and there's many things that I need to learn, to transcending the ego as the purpose of life, the law of karma, reincarnation, and chakras are just, I can't even, I can't even begin to tell you how incredibly useful they are, far from being esoteric, although they do deal with realities not visible to the senses. They are just the most practical roadmap for making your way through life powerfully, effectively, happily, and also how to deal with, you know, the inevitable things that come to us. So if you're not already deeply steeped in this subject, and even if you are, what what Yogananda and Kriyananda, Swamiji and Master, taught on that subject, which I represent, um, I recommend only what I've said because it's not, to find what Swami and Master said on it, it's not as easily accessible as YouTube. And you may find those very helpful to you. Now, What I really was struck by looking at this was where he said, when troubles beset you, seek both their cause and their solution in yourself. 
I mean, there's so much wisdom in that. And what he's trying to say is, let me just put this together in my mind. You know, when we understand why something is happening to us, it's so much easier to deal with it than we think of of it being unfair. So you start with the premise where he says, karmic law rules supreme everywhere. So it's a little bit of a chicken and an egg here. You have to have a certain, if you start from the premise that whatever comes to me is mine, mine by right, that I have earned it, that I deserve it, and deserve has two meanings. Deserve can either be punishment or reward, that I deserve it. And we start from the premise of trying to understand. I think of it like this when we're rebelling against what happens to us, we say, God, why are you doing this to me? And that's a very interesting question. But when we recognize that karma rules supreme, and that even though the thwarting cross-currents of my ego may have delayed this boomerang hitting me in the head, it would not be coming to me if I myself hadn't started the energy in the first place, and it would not be coming to me It would not be coming to me unless there was some positive potential in my receiving it, a positive potential for my increasing my awareness. So we ask the question instead of an accusation or a complaint to God, we say really simply, God, why are you doing this to me? God, why are you doing this to me? And it's it's a question for introspection for prayer, for a genuine question. And it's not, again, of, oh, why are you doing this to me? I'm so terrible. I'm so unworthy. One terrible thing after another happens. No, it's just a very interesting question. And the way I've found that the most helpful to deal with karma. Now, I also consider the karma and the, the problems that he's talking here, troubles. It's anything that has the capacity to take away your equanimity, to disturb your equanimity, to make you unhappy, to make you angry, to make you anxious. In other words, our true state of consciousness is complete um, happiness in God. And most people do not live in a state of complete happiness in God. Most people do not even live very cheerfully. But let's assume you're a relatively cheerful person. When troubles beset you, whatever it is, it's strong enough to move you away from that position of calmness and joy and faith in God and optimism about life. So what it is is helpful for understanding yourself, but all karma in this sense, all troubles, are just something that can move you off of that. So the real question is even not what happened or or why did it happen, or who was I in the past, and why did I cause this? The question is, what is it bringing out of me? Is it making me angry? Is it making me jealous? Is it making me sad? Is it making me lose hope? Um, what, what is it? You know, karma can be like a physical symptom in the body, and there's a lot of um, teaching, which you may follow if you like. It's nothing I'm familiar with, and it I'm not as inclined toward it. That says, oh, if it's in your elbow, it means this. If it's your wrist, it means that. If it's in the left side of the head. And I'm not saying there's not truth in that, because there could be. I just don't know. But what I'd like to ask myself is, 
what is my reaction to this? You know, what is it bringing out of me? Because as soon as we see what aberration from calm, contented happiness this is bringing out of me, this is telling me, why did God send this to me? This is why God sent this to me. Because I am vulnerable to this particular delusion. I can get sucked into this delusion, and therefore I have work to do in terms of not reacting with anger, not reacting with despair, whatever it might be. Now, it might be helpful, and sometimes it is, to either have a psychic or someone, if there's someone you trust, but be very careful. There are true psychics who can really tell you things, but just be careful. Um, Sometimes it's helpful to get a story. You know, this is the reason I feel this way. And the way I, I tend to look at it is, you know, I feel like some of the things that I've either intuited on one unusual occasion I dreamt, um, or that people have told me, some of, them are, some of them ring true and some of them do not. But even if they're apocryphal, which means it does, I don't know if it actually happened, but the facts fit the situation. Then it, I find if I have a story that actually resonates with my way of feeling, that's often a way I can get into this. You know, for example... Um, Uh, Let me just think of of a case. This was a very odd case with me. I was accused of doing something. And quite a kerfuffle developed over the belief that I had done this, out of one person's belief, that I had misbehaved in a way that was not very admirable. Um, And one person deeply believed that I had misbehaved in that way, and it caused a a kerfuffle in my life. It was a very interesting uh, dilemma for me, because I hadn't done it. I mean, I was, I was innocent in the specifics, but I could have done it. <laughs> and I really felt like this happened to me because I had this potential in me. And it's probably just catching up from the past. I must have gotten away with this in some past life, so now it's catching up with me. Now, this is what Swami means, that the solution and the problem are both inherent in it. In another case where I had some very difficult, I was deeply disappointed by the way some very good friends of mine behaved toward me. Deeply disappointed. And it was very painful for me to deal with. But then I realized how unreasonable I am in my expectations. Who am I to cling to this idea that everybody's supposed to respond to me the way I want them to respond? I thought these people know me well. And if this is who they think I am, what can I do about that? I am who I am before my conscience and God. The issue became not what I had done, because in that case I did not feel guilty, but the deeply held need I had for people to behave as I want them to behave. And, whoa, that was a big lesson. Problem, solution are both inherent within you. It's a fascinating way to approach life, and I highly recommend it. So, when troubles beset you, seek both their cause and their solution in yourself. Karmic law rules supreme everywhere. Your actions of the past represented movement in opposite directions from an unchanging center in yourself. That movement always returns with equal force in the opposite direction, though hindered by what my guru called the thwarting cross-currents of ego. The law must always, sooner or later, be fulfilled. 
those myriad back-and-forth movements seldom proceed in a straight line. Instead, they create eddies that draw into themselves the debris of countless desires and involvements. Don't upset yourself with life's complexities, but seek the divine simplicity of oneness with God's joy. To do otherwise is to court endless troubles. God bless you, my friends. Our work is made possible by inspired listeners. So if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.